Welcome to Country Squire Radio. I'm Bo. And I'm John David. JD. Hey, Bo. My voice is like, I've been struggling. (laughs) You're doing good, though. You you know, you're... You're emphasizing things when you need to, and and reserving uh, when when you when you can. It's it's rough, man. <laughs> it's rough. I, I'm trying to. Uh, it's actually probably for the benefit of the listener that I'm trying to like hold back on these final episodes. Tone it in yeah, just, just reel it in, reel it in. I was telling you, it's, it's frustrating because I can't go up the octave that I want to go up. I'm like stuck in the baritone, which is cool because I remember in the early days of Country Squire Radio when we would pre-record like, oh, <laughs> uh, it's funny, like pre-rolls and such. Right, I would always. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by the Country Squire for their unparalleled oh, customer that's service. Right. You know, yeah. I, I would always wait till after I was sick so that my voice was like down at that like bass that. octave. But it's oh, rough because I've always been able to go, you know, tenor and bass. So I've always been bisectional. And at the moment, but <laughs> it's difficult. You don't you, you don't even know because you're you've not never, bisectional and you've never been bisectional. It is difficult to not be bisectional in 2023. And so, like, as I find myself right now stuck with a baritone, and like I want to be able, like, for, you know, I mean, spoilers ahead, but we're going to have quick fire questions this episode, and I won't be able to say, quick fire questions, you know, like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cut me off. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even do that. You're more bisectional than I am. Uh. Hey, man, we've got an awesome episode <laughs> to talk about this week. I'm really excited to be jumping into it. Hey, we are in the final episodes, the final weeks here of Country Squire Radio, but we are building up to a big event coming your that way. That is right. So March 4th at the Country Squire in Jackson, Mississippi, we will be doing our episode 500 live from the Country Squire. It's going to have barbecue and pipe tobacco pairing. We're going to have live music. It's going to be fun. We've already kind of been thinking about some of the behind the scenes stories, things that we've never shared on air before that we're going to be sharing there. Yeah. Some of which may be cut before you can hear it on the podcast. (laughs) So you're going to want to be there. You're absolutely going to want to be there for this event. It is a pipe pilgrimage like none other. Help us celebrate 10 years of Country Squire Radio as we all bring this show to a close in epic proportions together. Yes. Uh, head over to yes. thecountrysquireonline.com. There's a banner there where you'll be able to see all the details. There's also one available at countrysquireradio.com. Get your tickets. Come join us. We would love to have you there. Gosh, I'm so, you know, we're in the home stretch here. And That's it, right. It is really exciting, man. I mean, I, I have so many great memories about the past 10 years and just uh, as we get to relive them and all the, all the things we're thankful for, <laughs> man, we get to enjoy it with you guys. And Tell you what, it's episode 500, and we, if 500 of y'all show up, we'll do... No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> no. We'll, we'll do don't, 500 more. Don't you promise that. Don't you promise <laughs> no, that. No, that's not true. It's not true. It's not true. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Suddenly, all of a sudden, like, boom, the ticket sales. I know. <laughs> I, um, man, I'm really looking forward to it. Please go and purchase your tickets, though, yes, and that, that's going to uh, cover your food and any other of the little... Uh, it, oh, it'll help cover the music prizes. and all that stuff, too. Yeah. And also, it'll help us plan for, you know, obviously how many people are going to be there. That's and right. we're going to, our little shop's going to have to, uh, going to have to, going to have to get creative about the space management that day. We'll so, see. Anyway. I mean, you know, some people are just going to want to come and throw tomatoes at us and that sort of thing. That and is they, fair. they might leave right after. You know, yeah, we'll no, that's right. Goes. That's right. It'd probably be worth a, worth a drive to do that. So. It's going to be really fun, man. I think it'll be great. <laughs> hey, we are, this week, we're doing uh, the final from the library. Now, I, I think it's, it's worth doing a little exploration or a little bit of history here. So from the library, one of our newer series that we introduced last year. Yeah. Yeah. The concept here is we were thinking through, you know, where we wanted to take the show was we wanted to showcase conversations that you might have in the space of 
a mom and pop pipe tobacco shop. The kind of conversations that happen in the country squire that have happened in the country squire, you know, be able to pack your pipe, listen to an episode like this and join in with some contemplative conversation. I will remember of the various ones that we kind of kicked around, you know, the uh, the most self-serving, of course, being the, you know, the the, the finer things series. I know, I know. Hey, that straight razor shave episode was pretty cool. That was man. pretty awesome. That was pretty baller. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that, that, was a, that was a good way to start Not it Not straight off, razor sure. shave because it wasn't. It was but a it hot wasn't. towel shave. It was supposed to be a straight. It was supposed to be, but it, then we got schooled on that and it turned into a hot towel shave. Exactly. <laughs> that was that was an interesting situation. And then we had the straight razor fans right in and were like, you didn't give a straight razor the time of day. That was, was like, crazy. Well, hey, we were just there. Wait, we were just had a microphone. <laughs> That's right. You got to kind of go where the story is. But anyway, so that that being uh, one of them, father to father being a very uh, popular, if not polarizing one. Yeah. And then we've got the from the library. This was a concept that you came up with yeah. that it, it, it's a very rare thing in Country Squire Radio, in the history of Country Squire Radio, for you to come up with a concept that I don't feel comfortable with. <laughs> typically, it goes the other way around. I come yeah. up with a concept. You're like, nah, I don't know about that. Normally, all the concepts you come up with, I'm like, nah, nah we're, we're not, we're not going to do that. Starting with the idea of this podcast, of the podcast with. itself. <laughs> Ten years later, but yeah, no, this was uh, this was something that <laughs> That's uh, funny. you know, you you are a well-read individual. You're somebody who has a lot of passion for writings of of theology, philosophy, poetry, history. You know, I think. You are an an a celebrated old soul in all the best possible ways. And you know, the the concept of this from the library, not only does it bring in the conversations that you'd have over a bowl of pipe tobacco in a pipe shop, but it takes it a little bit, in my mind, a step further and goes to if you think back to our pipe culture series on pipe spaces, the study or the library was kind of one of these kind of historied cultural, you know spaces right, where folks right. would enjoy their pipe. And so there's a lot of mergings together uh, with this series. And I think it's it's one of the reasons I do like to kind of like remind people of that is because, you know, we're going to be reading some passages and talking about it. And if yeah. there's a kind of a question of like, what does this have to do with pipe tobacco? Well, pack your pipe and enjoy it while we're having this conversation. That's right. <laughs> I think uh, I think you'll, you'll find yourself transported into the exact type of place where you can enjoy your pipe with conversations just like this one. You know, as we've, as we, you know, pivoted and it was a pivot, you know, over the past right. year with our content, uh, Bo and I have, we, we felt like it needed, uh, you know, the, the kind of, not the tenor of the show, but maybe the content of the I show. I can't do tenor right now. I told you I'm not I, my section anymore. I know. Okay. Right, right, right. I'll, I'll pick up for where you, where you, <laughs> never mind. Anyway. So, you know, we, we thought like, okay, this is, this was an opportunity to, still talk about the pipe, but then draw in some content that, you know, again, like Bo mentioned was, what are some of the experiences and feelings you might get at the, yeah. at the mom and pop pipe shop, certainly at the country squire. And, you know, and, it, and this resonated with some people and with others it didn't. And, and that's okay. That, that's okay. And they've but, still rocked with it. It's, it's been great to actually see they'll, they'll cherry pick a little bit and yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But I think <laughs> this is a, this is a series that has been, Kind of for outer nourishment, our kind of soul That's and mind exactly nourishment. Right. Yeah. And I, so for those that have kind of begrudgingly loved us through this, we uh, we thank you for your patience. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we do. Today we're going to read an article that is a short article. It's from Psychology Today, and it is entitled Six Steps to Leading a Life of Integrity. Yeah. I love um, Psychology Today. 
And they've got some very thought-provoking articles from time to time. You know, they they can. It, it, I mean, honestly, it's a mixed bag. Oh, I mean, absolutely. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's one of those things. That <laughs> every you, website's a mixed bag. <laughs> every website's a mixed bag. Every public, you know, all these online magazines and stuff nowadays. You know, I, speaking of magazine, I used to read constantly the National Geographic and the Scientific American and some of these. And now, John I, David, what's a magazine? And uh, well, it's a physical thing. What's a phys- what physical? It's a fi- it's, it's um, what's a thing? Hmm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hmm. It's a thing you cut you cut the letters out of to make the ransom. Note. Oh, okay, that yeah. Thing. yeah, yeah, that yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. I got but you, you know that a lot of these magazines have become such mixed bags on their content that like. I just don't enjoy them anymore, you know? And so like um, psychology today, sometimes I enjoy some of their content and a lot of times I don't. And the same thing with these other publications. So, but I, I, I like this article and the concept of integrity is very important to me. And so we'll, we'll read this kind of brief article and unpack it a little bit. Hopefully you'll find some gems and maybe we'll share a little bit about our own experience as well. Six Steps to Leading a Life of Integrity by Bob Tabby, and it's T-A-I-B-B-I. He's a licensed clinical social worker. So having integrity is a matter of bringing the inner you into the outer world. Let's see. Hold on. Let me say that again. Having integrity is a matter of bringing the inner you into the outer world. Being true to yourself. Being true to self. Right. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm tracking with you. Which is interesting. So, uh, Bo, would you like to read the first part or would you like me to? Um, I'll take it. <laughs> if you don't mind. <laughs> I'm, I'm pounding this tea here, so I'll be able to. No, that's you. great. That's great. Tabby starts. He says, uh, much like Justice Stewart's favorite comment about pornography, quote, I may not be able to define it but I know it when I see it. (laughs) Integrity, too, is something that we may not easily be able to put into words, but we do recognize. People either have it or they don't. It seems like we generally associate the word with those who seem to have strong moral compass, clear and consistent principles, and a bold honesty about themselves. It's part of their character. But integrity is actually more complex. There's another layer that often gets misunderstood or glossed over. The word is derived from the Latin word integritas, which means whole or complete. It is related to the word integrate or bringing together. This is the aspect I'm most intrigued by. Integrity as a psychological process, an integration of your outer life and your inner life, the two sides coming together, creating a whole, consistent you. In our society, such integration can be hard to come by. Many of us, I believe, are disconnected from our true inner core, while others of us rarely reveal it. Instead, we slap on a social persona to carry us through our day, and over time, this becomes more and more who we begin to believe we are. Ooh. Can we create this integration, this, quote, integrity, and develop it? Can we reshape our lives to become like those people we admire and respect who seem authentic and honest? I believe we can. I'll stop here for a minute. So, so he is... He's kind of he's kind of messing with the word integrity here a little bit, and and I want to I want to define the word integrity. You know, when I when I think when I initially thought of integrity, I would think of oh, that's someone that's honest, right? It just is very it, honesty simple. is the first word that kind of comes to mind. It, sure. Integrity is just oh, that's another word for honest, right? That's a someone integrity is just honesty, right? 
but he's kind of messing with that a little bit. He's just, he's not messing with it. He's just, he's pulling some onion layers back, I think. And, and saying, how do we extrapolate that? So what's well, kind of like what happens when honesty is challenged right. or put on trial? Right. I mean, if I'm, if I'm understanding correctly, yeah, it's about two things. One is the honesty of knowing yourself in, in a sense of knowing what you believe, what you stand for. Right. And who are you, you know, or well, not even like, I guess in this, in this first point, not, not as much when that's challenged, but are you willing to be that person? Right. Who you actually are. And do to, you know to, yourself to be, enough to be that person? That's a great way yeah. to put that. That's a great way to put that. So, so you've kind of, you've kind of learned who that is, but, but then you, but then you countenance that to the world. Right. right. So it's consistent, right? <laughs> it's the Oracle in the first matrix, you know, or, or we could just say the good one, the good, the, one. The good matrix. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, now the other ones no all kidding. had their little gems here and there, but like, right. The, the one that's like consistently good throughout. Right. <laughs> when Neo's meeting the, the Oracle and you know, she's in the kitchen she's making the cookies. Yeah. And whatnot, yeah. And she's like, you know what that says, you know, above there it's Latin. It means know thyself. Yeah. And that's really what that whole, you know, movie is really about is like knowing who you truly are. So Miriam Webster defines integrity in, in three in, in three ways. The first definition, uh, which of course is the most common, it's uh, number one, a firm adherence to a code of especially moral or artistic values, mm, okay. also known as incorruptibility. Okay. So we think about like, this is, you know, that, that goes towards that honesty. Like this is someone that really follows the rules, right? It's someone that has a code of, of ethics or conduct and they are committed to that and you know that kind of thing number two integrity defined as an unimpaired condition or soundness okay think of a bridge and someone says that bridge has integrity what they're saying is like it is sound like you like that is a safe bridge to drive on like it has you know the the it the, ain't gonna drop you the physical yeah. the physical inside and out are consistent. They are well-made like that, that, that physical structure has integrity, right? Yes. So that's, so that, that's, you're kind of looking at it a little different way. A third way, uh, the quality or state of being complete or undivided completeness. Could you use that version in a sentence, please? (laughs) Well, I mean, we think about like, you know, that person lives with integrity because their inside matches their outside. Okay. So a little bit more of like a metaphorical or a metaphysical. It's a consistent, in my mind, it's more of a consistency. Okay. You know, it's like a, it's just a, it's a, it's an honesty from your fabric. It's not just that they did that action that took integrity. It's that they live their life in a way that communicates. This is a person with integrity. Right. Okay. I think. <laughs> but I, but I, I like, I like what he's doing here. You know, he says that integrity is more complex. He talks about it being a, a kind of associated with a code of conduct or something. But, but then he, he talks about the layer that gets misunderstood or glossed over. It, it comes from this word integritas, which it means to integrate. It's something that the outside is consistent with the inside. And, you know, the reason why I wanted to talk about this as our last from the library is because in 2013, my life started to change. And it was because, 
of Country Squire Radio. No, I mean, it did. <laughs> but but it was really because I was introduced to the concept of integrity for the first time. I remember that year going through a whole lot of counseling. And I'd been through counseling in my at that point almost my entire life, dealing with a lot of codependency and self-loathing and all kinds of weird stuff. But this concept of integrity was new to me because for me before then counseling was almost like just a enabler kind of thing. Like mm. I would go to counseling just to say I could check a box and then say, Oh, well I'm, I'm trying to do something. At least about, I'm trying to do something. Yeah. Sure, 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 and it was yeah. all a lie, you know, in, in a lot of ways, but, but, but I, I met with this therapist and he, he was the first one to ever challenge me. And he challenged me with this concept of integrity, finding out internally who you are and then letting it be consistent with what you're portraying, number one, to the world, but especially, number two, to your closest friends. So this is interesting because we met around that time. Exactly. And you were very much going through this transition. Right. I remember like your house in particular was like a hub. Like right. you would throw like these crazy parties and everything else. I I remember feeling like I kind of missed the boat on the John David crazy parties. I, the, <laughs> the, the, the crazy parties were pre-integrity. Right. <laughs> well, there was some post No, there was some post-integrity parties. But, so but, but, you know, you think about like, you know, I needed people to love me. Right, 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 right. I need I needed people that I didn't even like to love me. Right, to validate you. To validate like, yeah. me. And, and I, my internal world was so fractured. And this concept of integrity was so, it was so important to me kind of starting to understand like, that's not what you need necessarily. What, yeah. you, what you need is a fundamental consistency between what's inside your heart and what your friends experience, you know, letting people in. So anyway, I will, we'll continue on now. Yeah. Discover, he goes on, discover your inner life. If integrity is about having your outer world truly if, uh, reflect your inner world, the first step to taking the time and thought to drill down and explore and discover who you are, what is your unique inner being? What are the gifts that you alone possess that you can contribute to the world and those around you? There are several steps to this discovery. Number one, find and define your sense of purpose. I vividly remember a lecture by a Buddhist monk who said that while most people associate Buddhism with a deeply contemplative, meditative life, the reality couldn't be more different. Because Buddhists believe in reincarnation, the monk said, being a human being is the greatest opportunity you can have. Other forms of life don't have what you have, namely the ability to control their lives or make choices or set their destiny. Only humans do. Being human, says the monk, is a gift, one that we need to appreciate and grasp, take advantage of the time and opportunity in the life cycle, and act boldly. He was talking about action, but also implying a purpose here. With the unique ability to choose and control, what do you truly want to do with the opportunity and time that you have? While some of us know our callings and passions early on, for those of us that discovery only comes through a process of exploration, of traveling down the road only to back up and take another that's fine. What doesn't work out is sitting on a couch and expecting to somehow just figure it all out. Hmm. But even the couch sitting isn't where many of us can get stuck. The bigger problem is that we never take the time or have the courage to ask such questions at all. Instead, we prematurely settle. We set our expectations of ourselves and life too low. We push such issues in the back burner of our lives, and we get so busy running our lives that we don't live our lives. 
So the starting point to creating a life of integrity is to ask these questions about purpose and opportunity and to keep them always simmering on the front burner. Be willing to acknowledge and then explore your passions and callings and motivations and internally sort through and set priorities. Sit down with yourself and decide on the meaning of the work and the relationships for you rather than simply take what you get. Sorting out the shoulds and wants. I love this. He, so he goes on to talk about sorting out the difference between should and want. Asking these big questions sets the discovery process in motion, but now other psychological and emotional challenges may rear their heads. You can get confused or befuddled or overwhelmed by the choices. You have trouble identifying what it is that you truly feel. Guilt or self-criticism can rise up as you struggle to sort out the contradictory rules and expectations from your parents and society. You are too inside of your head. Instead of your gut, you consider your heart. This is where the passion and the sense of purpose really come from. Your wants and desires and bursts of excitement rather than the shoulds that wag their fingers and scold. Mm -hmm. As I've said in other posts, this move from shoulds to wants is a matter of literally rewiring your brain and changing where the information about you comes from. It requires that you keep your ear close to your heart and, as the monk said, take action. Each time you do listen and act upon these gut and heart impulses, however faint, the source of information about you becomes ever stronger in your brain and life. But this, once again, requires courage, the essential ingredient of integrity, to step away from the crowd and to listen to your own inner voice. We'll stop there. So he said a lot, but again, it's exploring that both intentionally, it, I always struggle with this because, okay, I'm, I'm ready to explore. Let me go to my coffee shop and get my journal and you know, my little latte and like, okay, I'm ready. Let's explore. Like, let's go explore, you know, but, but it's, it's not, it doesn't ever really happen that way. Right. Like it, it, to me, it's maybe for some people it does for, but for me, you know, exploring your, your true desires, those deepest yearnings, those, those vivid things in your heart that, that make you sing and, and, and what really identifies your, your fabric, it doesn't really come to me from an exercise. It comes more from just learning to go through life and recognizing the emotions that pop up and then paying attention to them. Yeah, that's really good. There was, you know, it, it makes me think about a time within the last year or so where I was going through something that was kind of an emotional maelstrom as I was trying to process like even how I felt about it all. Yeah. One of the things that I did during that time was I would literally just sit down and I don't do this, but I journaled and I don't mean journal in the sense of like, dear diary today. I, you know, nothing right. like that. Right? <laughs> I ate Cheerios for breakfast. Nothing, there's wrong with that. It's not how people do it, but yeah, like it was literally like, you know, eight thirty. you know, excited, happy, you know, like, like just like checking in with my emotions, right. right. You know, like, like nine fifteen, sick to my stomach, like overwhelmed, you know, like drowning, you wow. know, like this really, it was just all over the map. This kind of like sporadic and erratic emotional maelstrom that I was in. That was the word I kept on using throughout yeah. the, those days that I was kind of like, like tracking or recording kind of my emotional Your state. Raw feelings. Yeah. And I was it was really it was very it was very helpful. Yeah. Because when at least for me in that situation, 
I couldn't assess appropriately how I felt about life, about anything. Right. And so by doing that, by taking kind of that step back and journaling, not, not necessarily coffee shop latte, because literally it was, I was going about my day and everything else, but I had this little notepad in the back of my pocket and I would just fill it out. And then at the end of the day, I uh, sat down with my wife and, and kind of, you know, was able to talk to her just about went it and through everything. It. Yeah. But you, and, but you were recording it almost stream of conscious. Like, like, yeah, this is what I'm feeling. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's almost cause it was like when, when a feeling be it positive, negative or neutral was strong, mm. then it, like I took note, I marked the time and I kind of checked in with myself to figure out, hmm. you know, like this, this, I'm not judging how I feel right now. Yes. I'm not, not like trying to make myself feel bad or even like force this feeling to stay if it's a feeling I want. Right. I'm just taking note of what it is and checking in with, it was very, very helpful. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a good process. That's what I, I remember during the same season I'm discussing in my life 10 years ago, kind of becoming acquainted with this concept of integrity, like I would have these really, really powerful feelings throughout life. And those feelings would plunge me in different directions, whether it be to something to medicate it away. You know, if it's a painful feeling, it's like, Mm -hmm. well, I don't need to feel that. So let me distract myself in some way or medicate myself in some way or, or come up with some contrivance to create a feeling that would overwhelm that feeling or something. You know what I mean? Right, right. How do I I combat it, put it down, spray something? And it was the first time in my life I I think I really learned to just experience negative feelings and be okay Mm. with that. Yeah, man. Yes. Like no one be afraid of the negative feelings. No one ever told me it was just okay to yeah to be sad or to weep. Or to feel, or to even feel like rejected. Right. Like that you can feel that and that's okay. Like to, to feel or feel alone. You know, it's like you feel these negative feelings and like, instead of trying to shove them away, like yeah. feel them, you know, it's, I think it's the first time in my life 10 years ago when I actually felt some of those feelings Yeah, and just, and just grieved them. And, uh, and it was good. Yeah. It was good. It's really, really crying is cathartic, you know, like, like feeling, allowing yourself to feel that sadness and not like, 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 oh man, tears, gotta, gotta fight them down. You know, all that kind of stuff. You know, I hear that, that old song, like was on dirty dancing or something. Big girls don't cry. Right. 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 Yeah. It's like, but they do and they can, or at least, you know, yeah, like they can. These two big girls cry all These the time. Two, man, this big girl cries a lot. <laughs> right, you know, and right. so it's like, it, it, you know, it, the, the key in my mind, it's not to like necessarily let your emotions rule you. There's oh, yeah. a time where you have to put that away to yeah. go do your job, you know, or, or, or be a dad or be a friend or whatever, you know, go to work or whatever it is. But like at the end of the day, the idea is not to run from those feelings. Right. Though. The idea is not to, it's to really to experience them, you know? You know, I, okay. So literally before we got here, no, the night that we got here in LA, mm-hmm. I got a text message from my father-in-law. Yeah. My wife's grandfather passed away. Mm-hmm. We, we'd been expecting it. He mm-hmm. suffered some strokes over Christmas. And, you know, the next, it was, it was late at night. I knew she'd be asleep the next morning. Yeah. I tried to do the math on the time zones. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, surely by this point she's awake and she's seen it. I call her and she 
I just, you know, you can tell when you've called somebody and woken them up and everything. So she, she's clearly still in bed. Yeah. And I was like, have you seen the message? And she had not. And mm. I mm. told her, I mean, she was, she was said that she was glad that she heard it from me as opposed to reading it on a text message yeah. when she first woke up. Yeah. But it took me back to when my granddad died. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not the one that both of my grandfathers have, have passed, but my first grandfather that, that died was my dad's dad. Yeah. My name, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, the, the one that I share his name. Right. And I was working at a cell phone company in Memphis and I was assisting a customer at the time. I managed that store, but a lot of times I would go on the sales floor and, you know, help out and do all that kind of good stuff. And so I was with a customer and I got a call from my dad and, you know, it rang, had to go through because I was, you know, with the customer, I got another, I think I got another call from him. And, you know, typically if, you know, your parents call multiple times, it means something right. you know, as opposed to just like a check-in. Right. So I asked him if I could uh, just step away real quick. And I went to the office, answered the phone call. My dad told me that Fafa, uh, which is what we called him, uh, had passed away. Mm. And I told him, you know, that I loved him. I asked him how he's doing and, you know, I appreciate him calling and telling me. Hung up the phone. I went back. I finished up with the customer. Yeah. I told him, sorry, you know, I just got uh, some, some bad news and everything, but, uh, or I, I don't even know if I told him that, but I just apologized for stepping, stepping off the yeah. for a second. Yeah. Finished up with the customer, but then I went back to my office and I just cried. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I didn't, because I, I wanted to make sure, you know, it's, it's this, this tension of you have, you have a responsibility to do what you're doing at the moment. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but you're not, so you're not like putting down your emotions or anything like that, but you do have to kind of control them in that moment. Or at least set them aside, set them aside. temporarily mm-hmm. in order to accomplish something. But make sure to, that you don't pit, you got, you still got to pick them back up. Yeah. You know, and, and, and let them, let them do what they got to do. Exactly. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Hmm. So, you know, that, that concept of integrity, letting those motions, emotions do what they need to do. Yeah. It's important. So we're wrapping up here. He goes on to say, have your outer life represent your inner life. In some ways, the psychological heavy lifting at this point is done. Now it's about translation and application. How do I have my inner life reflect me? Well, number one, make clear decisions. Think of your inner life as the foundation on which you build your outer life. Build is the operative word because it's about being intentional. Through the filter of your values, your sense of purpose, and your desires, you want to make clear decisions. That does not mean the decisions are easy. Do you take a less stressful job so you have more time to spend with your kids, for example? Or do you take a more stressful job that pays more and allows you to provide for more opportunities for mm-hmm. your kids, mm-hmm. like a college education? It's a tough decision. It is, yeah. Again, you sort through your priorities and vision. Take your time. What you don't want to do is drift, not be intentional, or let your life and circumstance carry you along. Integrity requires that you avoid automatically falling into the easy or popular path. Amen. Goodness, yes. Number two, stay committed to what you believe. This is about being aware and diligent, about checking in with yourself and asking, am I living my life? Am I proud of my life as far as measured by my goals and my expectations? This is about having, quote, the courage of your convictions that people often talk about, the willingness to step up and speak. Though difficult at first, this process gets easier with practice, and as you find that, what you feared would happen rarely does. Number three, stay open to change. Keep your ear close to the inner voices, and when your inner life changes, as it probably will, 
Take the time to sort and sift and see what to keep and what to let go. But then integrate, be bold, and bring this redefined version of you into your daily life. Acknowledging and adapting to change is what keeps your inner and outer lives in alignment. I want to say that again. Acknowledging and adapting to change is what keeps your inner and your outer lives in alignment. Creating integrity is not a forced march through life. It's not about being better, trying harder, following yet another should. It's about self-honesty and having the courage to hear and accept what your heart and life tell you so that you can more fully become who you already are. It's about connecting you to you. So can we take these real quick? And I mean, you know, just by, by each point, because there's three, they're three very they're different. Yeah. I almost I was like, oh, wait, 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 stop, 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 stop. stop. <laughs> You're not doing the thing you do. We've got to stop and talk. About. We got to chat. Make clear decisions. Okay. This, I mean, like I'm an amen corner. Well, on all of these things, I'm an amen corner on, but like this one, like, yeah. So like one of my biggest frustrations is people who are content are not even like, like they seem content with discontentment or more, more accurately just like, I mean, I, I, I want to say it without sounding like Dave Ramsey, <laughs> but like it's, you're letting life happen to you as opposed to you happening to life. You know what I mean? And kind of getting overwhelmed with that. And I get that things happen and you do get overwhelmed. That does happen in life. But when it seems like everything is constantly the case, it's like, no, no like we, we can do something. You can do something. We can take action. We could like, we can actually make something happen. As opposed to just complain, there's nothing wrong with complaining about it if there's something that's wrong and broken, but let's do something about it. Like that's, that's a big, that's a big thing for me, man. I, I used to be afflicted with what I have come to define as hyper Calvinism. (laughs) TR, TR. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think of, and again, this is some, this is coming from someone who you know, considers myself to, to be a Calvinist. Well, most right? people who, who hate Calvinism the most were afflicted by hyper-Calvinism at one point. <laughs> yeah, or, 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 <laughs> or hyper-Calvinists, yeah. or, or hyper-Calvinists. Right, but, exactly. But, you know, I used to, that, that concept, though, of believing so much that God is in control, but it almost becomes like a, like an evil thing. Like, that means, like, okay, if, if God's in control and all these bad things are happening to me and somehow God delights in that. Sure. Right. Right. right then right, that right. like, and that's not how it works. Spider spindling above the cosmic flames. That's for not the delight of its yeah, tormentor. Or something that's like us that, projecting yeah. like right. imperfect pictures of fallen earthly dads onto our heavenly father, you know? And I mean, like that's, which is a universal thing. It is. Or, I mean, it's not even just a paternal thing, just like our you know, parents' failures is how the, or the parents in general is how we have the lens of who and so we, we, we perceive we God to be. We carry that onto the Lord, Absolutely, right? So, yeah. and, that, and that's not, that's not fair to him. Like, like God is, that's not how he fathers us. Hmm. Like as someone that believes in some mysterious way, the Lord has, you know, predestined our salvation and numbered our days and all these things. We have to hold in tension the fact that like, He's given us the opportunity to act. And what do we do with that? Yeah. Are you going to act or are you going to be, and I'm, I'm speaking of self, am I going to act or am I going to be a victim? And the word victim for me encapsulates what I was hearing you say, Right. is that are you just going to let life happen 
or which are, is a Dave Ramseyism. I'm sorry, I didn't want to do that. <laughs> but but, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I don't know anything about Dave Ramsey. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. I balance my checkbook occasionally, but like, <laughs> but are you gonna be? But are you gonna be a victim, right? Or are you gonna be proactive? You know, but but if you're gonna be proactive, you got to determine what defines your values, right? Right. So growing up in a in a reformed context, I I, uh, I never was. I never did personally suffer from TR, uh, but I, I have had friends who have suf- suffered from <laughs> TR. <laughs> Tragically reformed. I'm not just the president. I'm also a, a, the client. Right? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, my, my, my mindset, my philosophy or, or whatever around Calvinism has always been kind of a, you know, rest in the insurance that God is in control and act as if it's all up to you. You know what I mean? Kind of this this combination of the two. That's the thing. It doesn't have anything to do with like, you know, your every, every time in scripture that we're reminded of the Lord's sovereignty, it's always in a way that is encouraging us in how secure we are. Right. It's not talking about how, you know, screwed you are (laughs) and, and how you want to, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just not the Lord is, Mm -hmm. uh, the outside of the door says all are welcome. You know, there's a theologian that talked about kind of this divide in Christendom about kind of the the way in which you see God or really just I'm trying to remember. I can't remember the quote, but basically it's it's the way in which you see your religion as either the source of you know freedom. Right. I would say we experience through Christ or the source of like shame. And like, you know, yes. like like all of these things that you need to do or you're doing this wrong and like like this, like right. this kind of sense of oppression or this, this kind of, uh, mindset of, uh, scarcity versus abundance, that sort of thing. Mm. I I, I can, I'm butchering everything because I I was not prepared for where this ended up. (laughs) Frankly, I wasn't either, but, um, but anyway, so I, but that's, that's one I I want to, that was, that was point one. Yes. Point point two, stay committed to what you believe. So this is kind of getting to, uh, what we're saying. And actually we could, let's talk about two and three together because those really kind of do you know, I think live together, which yeah. is staying committed to what you yeah. believe, but also staying open to change. And I think that that's something, especially for me in the last two years in particular, has been really trying to like refine down, you know, Christian, what do you believe? <laughs> I just heard Lincoln Duncan in my head. Right. Yeah. No, you know, right. but like <laughs> literally like, like not what were you told to believe, not what you brought up to believe, not what you know is culturally accepted around you. What do you, what believe? do you believe? Because that's what's critical because it is living without, and you, you can call yourself for, you know, what, so we're already in kind of the Christian wheel space and I, our apologies to our non-Christian listeners. Yeah. And we didn't even really intend to go just there. Speaking out of personal con- you know, cultural yeah. context. But yeah, like you can be in, you know, you can call yourself Christian or call yourself whatever your, you know, religious identity may be. But if you're living that out to appease that cultural context, as opposed to being true to what you actually believe, that's that you are living without integrity. integrity. Exactly. That does not have integrity. Exactly. That is a, that I would argue that's not even really a faith, but that's, that's correct. Claiming something without integrity. That's living a life without integrity. That is correct. And so defining what it is you believe and being true to that and living authentically to that, which can be a scary prospect, terrifying, but so vital. I think that's so vital while also, and I think this is important, staying open to change those two things, living in tension Mm -hmm. of like, you know, what do you believe being true to that? But at the same time, Mm -hmm. if you get like, when you're a kid, you, you believe in Santa Claus, right? 
You know what I mean? But then you get older and you find out new information. Reindeer can't fly. Uh Uh-oh. You know what I mean? Or something like that. (laughs) Or, you know, like, you know, maybe that's a bad example, but you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like being open to change and being challenged in the future, in a couple of weeks here, I think in about three weeks, uh, two or three weeks, we're going to have an episode about the inklings. I'm really looking forward to this particular one. Yeah. Because we're going to be talking about some of you know, our most celebrated thinkers and writers and lecturers and, and, you know, theologians and all these different folks who all come from these various diverse perspectives with their core belief system. Mm -hmm. And I think somebody like, you know, as an Anglican, you'll appreciate this. Somebody like Lewis, right. Who was an agnostic Mm -hmm. who converted to Christianity Mm -hmm. through many of his friends that were inklings, right. Mm -hmm. Did so not changing his beliefs, but because he because he was persuaded towards truth, right? Because of his beliefs, and then followed suit. Yeah, right. We'll, we'll talk about this more. I really don't want to. I mean, we, when we're at the end of this episode and everything, and it's yeah. coming up in a future one. Yeah. But suffice to say, Tolkien presented Christianity as the true myth to Lewis, right? And in that language, he's speaking to the truth of who Lewis was. What true? It was true that Lewis believed, right? And and was persuaded in that way. I just think it's you see these kind of two things living in Lewis in that moment. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get and, in, and we'll he get was open maybe yeah. to that to that shift. Oh yeah, and that's the thing. All those dudes were open to like then, learning then, from each other and disagreeing with each other, and then made sure to be authentic. To right. That. Nobody was. Yeah. Exactly. Oh man, I'm so looking forward to that episode. It's crazy. <laughs> and, and, but, but you know, you know, that's yeah. the key for I, I feel like all of us, and I, I really do. Again, that's I, I remember. In ca- I remember really wrestling with this concept of integrity, and yeah. I remember that's when I started growing my hair out. <laughs> Is that right? And no, I, that, that tracks, doesn't it? Yeah. And I and I had a guy at uh, at church. He's older than me, kind of a mentor figure, not quite as old as my parents, but uh, still dear friends with him to this day. And he and he came up to me. And he said, "You know, you've been going through a lot recently, and I've noticed like you, you know, you're growing your hair out and stuff." And I, I he was like, "I, I wonder." I wonder if you're trying to be someone you're not. And I, and I was like, you know, I think I'm giving myself permission to be someone that I've always wanted to be. Exactly. And it was so liberating to say that. Yeah. And he was like, huh, that's cool. It's so interesting because that interaction right there, I think is so true, especially this, you know, again, our cultural context in the South, especially in the Bible Belt. Yeah. Like yeah. that exact mindset of when, when people start living authentically, authentically, it's challenged by like, you're trying to be someone you're not. It's like, no, you forced me to be somebody I'm not. Right. I'm starting to actually be myself. But, but the mark of the good friend is to embrace and accept that, 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 that guy was for yeah. me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. And that you have been for me. Oh man. But but that's the key. That concept of integrity, of living with consistency between mm-hmm. your internal world and your external world, and at least giving at least giving those few closest people to you the opportunity to love you or reject you. Right, but for to who know you, you really are. Yes. Yes, John David. Yes. For who you really are. That's so good. <laughs> that's so good, man. And in 2013. That's why I got the word integrity tattooed on oh! <laughs> Y'all, he just busted out his arm. He's on his arm, of course. Uh, John David has uh, tattoos on either arm, but uh, he just busted out his left arm tattoo that says integrity, and then it's got... No, I'm just kidding. It says integrity. <laughs> it's got integrity. It's got these, uh, these vines growing above it. 
Yeah, and it's then a, I can't read what's what's above that. So uh, it it has the word integritas in Latin, which this author uh, referenced in, in in the article that we're discussing. Right, he, he talks about it being that concept of consistency, whole or complete. And then uh, above it is a, a vine, which uh, is derivative from uh, John fifteen five. I am the vine. The Lord says, I am the vine. You are the branches. You know anything that dwells in me. And I'm you will you know bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing you know it's just a, I'm a part of something greater and then the little Roman numerals right above the vine are the Roman numerals 2013. There you go wow 2013 and I actually drew that tattoo myself. Did you really? I drew that tattoo myself. That was this kind of my Ebenezer It's kind of my my monument to the to the things that happened that year. Wow and um and how important and transformative they were for me. And just so happened to be the year that uh, Country Squire Radio was founded. How about that? Isn't that something? How about that? You know, it's it's amazing to see. I'm just I, I just want to say that I'm just I'm, I'm honored to be part of to have met you when I did. Yeah, I do remember very specifically hearing about all the epic parties that I never got to attend. I was like, Are you gonna do one of those parties this year? Like, no, I'm not gonna do that. I'm like, That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> We, we, we okay. had a house. Let's see that first Halloween party. We painted the dog green. No, that was St. Patty's. Day. That was St. Patrick's Day. We painted the dog green, and then everyone stumbled downtown, and we sold Jello shots, and then woke up the next morning. Yeah, it, I, it was. That was before my time. It was I remember something. it was Saint, very impressive. I remember the St. Patrick's Day that I was there. I went by your house, and I think the dog was green still. That did still happen. I think you yeah. did that the next year. But it was like you and Damon, and like like uh, uh, one or two other folks. Just kind of sitting on the lawn drinking beer and like, yeah, we're just doing a little little lower key this time around. I mean, that first year, I want to say there were like 65-year-old people I didn't even know playing beer pong in our front yard, puking in the bushes. Oh, good lord. <laughs> you, were try- you were trying to bring, like, I've never been pro-fraternity culture at all, but you were trying to bring that into the five Delt house at Mississippi My State goodness. to... Uh, to uh to Bellhaven. Yeah, hey man, you went from trashy to classy, and if you want to go from trashy to classy, you need to be getting yourself a grid quality corn cob pipe from our good friends at Missouri Meerschaum. Man, that is exactly right. That's and, right, man. And the 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 perfect springboard from trashy to classy <laughs> is the country gentleman. For yes, sir. You. The country gentleman, of course, represents sophistication. Uh, yes. From someone that's in a pastoral setting, this country gentleman, like at the country squire. You know, this might be a small town, but you have the opportunity opportunity to stand out as your country gentleman smoking a country gentleman. How's that? That sounds great. I, I think that sounds wonderful. Here's the wonderful thing about the good folks at Missouri Meerschaum. They are filled with integrity. They make some great quality products they that you are. know can enjoy. The, the, the products have integrity, which means they're going to stand up, which we learned about earlier like in this the bridge, episode. Right? Yes. Like, like, the, like bridge. the bridge. Yep. And of course, the, the good folks behind the scene are operating on the utmost integrity. They're also coming out with some great new designs constantly. You can always go to corncobpipe.com, find yourself a lot of different, a large selection of corncob pipes available to you. So if you've not done so already, be sure to pick yourself up a Missouri Mission pipe this week. Take yourself a picture, a selfie, a what what mind you, a TikTok or a FaceTime or whatever you do. Put it on the social medias. <laughs> Friend face. It's a great way to let the good folks at Missouri Mission know we appreciate them for sponsoring this show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. question of the week. question of the week, man. Coming in from Jared Frosier. Yeah, I was excited about, about this question. Yeah. Okay, here's what Jared had to say. So, I have been smoking my first tin of autumn evening, and when enjoying about halfway through the tin, I started getting a very sour note that burns the back of my throat. I thought it might be the pipe, but it tastes fine with other aromatic tobaccos. I also smoked it in a different pipe first. For the first half of the bowl was good, but the second half turned sour again. Why might this happen? And this is again from Jared. Yeah, I, I I hear these questions constantly, and I want to reaffirm Jared that like nothing's fundamentally wrong with your palate or your or even your pipes, anything like that. I constantly hear people complain. They're like, "Man, that tobacco just hit me the wrong way," or "Man, this tobacco that everyone says is like really really harsh and like all that." Man, this is really smooth to me, and like I, you know, this is what I smoke for my you know, nighttime going to lull me to sleep kind of smoke type thing. You know, it's so interesting to me, but this happens all the time. And I want to encourage Jared that different tobaccos, they hit different people in in ways that I think is mostly due to a physiological response. So now again, I, you know, I was a history major. I'm a washed up seminarian. I own a smoke shop. I didn't even stay in a Holiday Express last night. I'm certainly not a biologist. <laughs> but but I have come in contact with people so much over the, what, 12 years I've been doing this, that I am convinced that people have different physiological responses to different tobaccos. I'm telling you, I have had huh. someone smoke unflavored black Cavendish, which is literally the mildest thing that I can give you in my shop, and it has burned their throat. Interesting. And they'll turn around and smoke a bright leaf yellow Virginia that's been flu cured. <laughs> uh, and they'll be like, man, that is the mildest tobacco. Nice that's my, that's my, yeah, exactly. And I'm right. like, what earth, what planet are you living on? Yeah. Like what? And I'm telling you, like, it, you know, so much, the more you learn about tobacco and how it interacts with your body, premium tobacco, you know, it, it, you kind of, you start to read about this stuff and how it interacts with not just your brain, but your, your pH and all these things. Like 
everyone has a different response to different tobaccos. We have some common threads. You know, there are most people will look at a, a unflavored black Cavendish and be like, man, that tastes mild as air, you know. Mm. But there's people that, you know, like poor Jared, who is sitting here trying to struggle with autumn evening, also known as, as a very mild tobacco. And he's having trouble with the, the back of his throat and then it's tasting sour. And I just want to encourage you, Jared, like, it just it might not be the tobacco for you, and that's okay. There are some tobaccos that, for whatever reason, they they react differently to your palate. It's kind of like some people say that cilantro tastes like soap. It's the same thing. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. the exact same thing. They have that reaction that's like it, it's just physiological, and you can't really explain it unless mm. you took a geneticist or something to to get after that. And it's like, man, I. I got enough bills already, you know, (laughs) but I have several people that smoke autumn evening because it is the mildest, most sweet tobacco that they know. So it's very approachable, particularly for new pipe smokers. Others avoid aromatics like this, like the plague, because they think they're the harshest tobaccos that burn the hottest. And that this is the thing, like, and then of course there's that sour note you're, you're talking about. It's the same reason, like, and and I'm one of the few people that have ever said this, but like I cannot stand luxury bullseye flake from Peter Stokeby. I love luxury Navy flake, luxury twist flake. I could take or leave, but luxury bullseye flake, it tastes like soap to me. It tastes like someone emptied that, like melted a chapstick tube and like put it inside a pipe to Like I just can't get around it. Mm. I've met maybe one other person that gets that essence from luxury bullseye flake. And it's just something about how that tobacco, the, the varietals, how they're processed and then how my body interacts with it. And so I just know like, I don't smoke luxury bullseye flake. And I, I hope it gives you some confidence in that. Like nothing's wrong with you. You just don't really mix with that tobacco too well. And that's, that's okay. That's okay. Give it to a friend. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Well, great question there, Jared. Thanks so much for sending that in. Smoke with integrity and <laughs> give that, give that to a friend. Great pipe. Don't Jared. force yourself to smoke it because you don't like there it. There you go. Yeah. Smoke with integrity. <laughs> now that's, see, now that should have been a catchphrase a long time oh, ago. Oh, I should put that, that on a t-shirt. Smoke with good. integrity. There you go. <laughs> Quick, Quick fire, fire with, with the squire. Fire questions. All right, so I tried. You did it, man. I'm I think proud I, of you. I've been saving <laughs> this, this episode to get there. You did great. All right, man. Coming in from Pastor Joda. Money is no object edition. Okay. Oh, yeah. This is, he's giving us he's giving us a blank check. We got okay. the old Bruce Wayne card. We're gonna All be right. great. Here we go. Pipe tobacco. Money is no object. Money is no object. I mean, gosh. Uh, Rainer seventy one. Okay. Virginia Flake. With it's got some white burley in there, I think, and. Maybe some dark fired. It's like 50 bucks. It's fabulous. Money's no object. I want <laughs> every single every ounce. unopened tin <laughs> Frog of Morton Frog Morton Cellar. <laughs> I want Russ Hicks <laughs> Cellar completely cleaned out. Yeah. I want it all. I, and if money's no object, I will pay any price for it. Yeah. And I, I want, I want a Scrooge fair. McDuck. A Scrooge whole pile <laughs> of unopened. Don't get me wrong, because I still want to smoke it, but I don't want to like bathe in it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like a, like a, an open pile of tens that somehow I'm able to do, but anybody else dives into Scrooge McDuck's vault, they're gonna like you know, yep, break their, their teeth. face. Right, right. <laughs> no, I want I want to Scrooge McDuck that whole whole mother. I want I want to. That's what I want. 
That's great. Yeah. All right. So the next one is pipe. Money's no object. Money is no object. Yeah. A J. Allen pipe. Oh, okay. A J. Allen pipe. He uh, he does such a great job, and I need to sell some more pipes and cigars myself before I can afford one of his pipes. <laughs> so J. Allen pipe. There you go. <laughs> when we were in Vegas, I referenced a pipe. It was Briar. And it was like an iguana claw. That was amazing. Holding a bowl. I've never seen yeah. anything with that level of like detail to texture. Yeah. It's dangerous. Like it was that, sharp, but it was. And it was a couple thousand bucks, I think. Yeah. And some, that pipe is actually kind of famous or infamous in right. the pipe community. Right. Because it's been, I, I want to say it's been like, what's the story behind that pipe? It's either been bought and sold or, but no one's ever smoked it. Right. Like, and, and it's kind of gone around to pipe shows for like years and years now. No one's ever like had the courage to like be the guy that pulls the trigger to buy it. Even though it's extraordinary. It's, it's one of, I mean, like that's the thing that's, you think about like famous art pieces that kind of go around. It's kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. I I want it. And I'll I'll be the one. I want to say, and, and Jay, correct me or forgive me if I'm wrong, but I, I, I think Jay uh, with pipe and tamper, I think he, uh, I think he bought that pipe. I think he finally, in Vegas? I think he finally was the one that bought that pipe. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I got, I got to go look. Well, but so some, but someone, someone that I know bought that pipe finally and is enjoying it. Well, there you go. And all I'm, right, and I'm happy for that because right, that, right. that, that pipe is a, is, is really something. That'd be my money is no object. Our vehicle. A BMW seven series. Okay. For me, I already got my baby. I already got the, my desired uh, my Mini Coupe. I've always wanted a Mini Coupe and recently it got it. so perfect. Love that car so much. Love driving <laughs> it. It is just so much fun to drive. I will say, though, money no, money's no option. I would love a, I think it was like the Series 2 uh, Volkswagen bus. Like the old school. Old school. Yeah. The problem is it makes no practical sense whatsoever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, you had a bunch of kids or something. Well, but even still, like just the mile, you just, it doesn't make any, any sense. Right. Like, cause you want to like, that's a collectible. You'd like keep that thing polished, yeah. but then it'd sit in the garage. So like, yeah. So I, but if money's no option, all right, well, yeah, I'll, I'll get that. Yeah. All right. Finally vacation. Money's no option. Okay. I want to go in my lifetime to the top part of Norway. Oh. Where it's real close to the Arctic Circle. Okay. And they have, and you can Google this, it's on it's all over the web. They have these igloos that you can sleep in. I've seen this. They yeah. have igloos that you can sleep in that have clear they're clear igloos. Yeah. And your bed is inside this igloo. And you are looking up at the stars and the Aurora Borealis. Mm. And I want to do that. Wow, I I, I want to do that. That that that's a and 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 there's like there's it's some in Norway. Yeah, I think there might be one in Finland and like maybe Iceland, but they're all right there, like these Scandinavian countries, real close to the Arctic Circle. Yeah, I want to sleep in a doggone igloo. There was something a while back when like we were my wife and I were looking for like you know it's kind of a fun getaway type thing. It was a hotel that was built into the side of a mountain. Yeah. And the rooms had like a like opened up into the open view into the you're right of the mountain like with a waterfall going down and everything yeah. like that. And I was like, I felt very con- like I'm mean, like it was insanely expensive. It's like no, this is never going to happen. <laughs> and but it looked amazing and just would be just incredible. 
Although admittedly, even as I'm speaking on it now, I did remember thinking at the time, I wonder what the mosquito situation is. Good point. Is you know you know you grew up in Mississippi when, <laughs> when you're when you're constantly considering mosquitoes. What's the mosquito situation? <laughs> so yeah, there you go. That's from Pastor Joda. The money is no option edition. Thank you so much for that, uh, Joda. We appreciate you, brother. You know, I think this was a good one, man. The, the from the library series as we mentioned at the top of the show, it's an opportunity to really just kind of have some fun conversations over a bowl of tobacco, and we hope that you've been able to to enjoy that with us. Yeah. And this, you know, coming up, you know, we've got some great episodes over the next couple of weeks, but we're definitely in that headspace of. You know, the, our our uh, you know the the home. What do you call it? The the home lap. The home stretch. The, yeah. What, yeah. What, do you, the, what do you what do you the victory lap? There's kind of a victory lap victory mindset, lap. I yeah. think, with with these episodes and yeah. in our minds. But even even still, like they're running a little bit longer because I think it's a little bit harder to end the show <laughs> in each episode. It is. Yeah. yeah it's, it, I feel the weight of it. But yeah. um, it's it's been fun. It's been fun. Absolutely. Well, hey man, let's go have a day. See you, brother. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.